Okay, October 9th, we're out walking, bud. I had about a uh, eight-minute delay there, eight minutes. It's 73 degrees, 73 beautiful degrees on this morning at about 8.30 on a Wednesday morning. And it's, uh, I think it's 31% humidity, which is kind of high, but uh, at 73 degrees, like I said, it's not too bad. And the dew point is 40 degrees. But the delay was because I invited some other folks to join the podcast. But uh, I'm in the, uh, as much as some people are on the leading edge of podcast culture, some have not reached the point of the spontaneous podcast, right? That's what uh, that this is. is. Um, I'm walking the dog. I don't know when I'm going to walk the dog. It was time to walk the dog. It's time to walk Buddy. It's time for Buddy's owner and the Arizona Schnoodle walks. And here we are, the Schnoods. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at. I invited two people to join the podcast, waited about eight minutes to see if they would join. As much as they both love podcasts, they're just not ready for the spontaneous podcast, I, I think. I don't know. And be, it's because I don't, I don't prearrange my guests. I just like ping them, say, "Hey, you love the, uh, you love the podcast, right? You're a listener, right? Sometimes, so join me. I, I can. Uh, I'm a great podcast host. I ask good questions and dig deep. I was ready to dig deep on uh, some South Carolina choir activity." And get some opinions from uh, from a rebel down there in South Carolina, Georgia. A little different cultural perspective than when what you normally get from uh, from me, but uh, not ready for prime time, I guess. Not ready for spontaneous podcasting. So we're back to. Uh, Solo, we're solo, and I kind of, I kind of like the idea of, of uh, having a guest on the program, ask a few questions, get a little, a little deeper. But uh, here we are, just stuck with me today. So someday, maybe I'll be fortunate enough. Maybe the the podcasting culture in the world will, will catch up, and decide that hey. Yeah, I know what this is about. I just got invited to Buddy's owner's Arizona Schnoodle Walk. So we're going to do a podcast. I just got invited to this podcast. I'm going to be the guest on this amazing podcast, which is also the podcast. It's the things we think, but do not podcast podcast. So it's it could be dangerous joining me as a guest, you know, because I am going to push for what are you thinking? What are you thinking that uh, you probably wouldn't want a podcast? <laughs> and, and it kind of goes with my Twitter philosophy uh, and the Twitter, recent Twitter thing. The Twitter thing's been going on since Roseanne Barr or before. Uh, tweets, you know, like a 140 character tweet 
is given such incredible amount of power, right? And my thought is like, well, a tweet is just a thought. It gets tweeted. And we have 30,000 of them a day, and we don't, we don't tweet every thought. But somehow, tweeting something gets locked in stone. Like, oh, well, you tweeted this, therefore, you should lose your television show. <laughs> and, and, and if you step back from it, there's, like, there's no logical sense between this Twitter thing. I, it's like, I cannot believe Twitter has been elevated probably to a higher level than the Holy Bible, right? So here's some, is that hyperbole? Yes. Twitter, in certain circumstances, is more holy than the Holy Bible. And the reason I say that is, is like, like Roseanne Barr. She tweets something and it's like, oh, well, you tweeted that. You had an expression of thought that is just is not acceptable. You know, it doesn't line up with the holy scriptures, you know, to be, to be this way, to make such a comment. That is not biblical, you know. And instead of just saying, well, dude, it's a tweet. I had that thought at two in the morning and I tweeted it. So it's like, can you just get over it? It's like, no, we can't get over it because it's been tweeted to the universe. <laughs> this Roseanne Barr's opinion about something has been tweeted. So therefore, we must crucify her. That's more like the Bible, right? That's a, that's a, we don't get enough crucifixion of Jesus Christ, so we need to crucify Roseanne Barr. And then, men, we have to crucify the, the Iowa State college student that, or alumni who put up a sign that, uh, hey, Bush Light, Bush Light, Venmo me some beer money, yeah. And uh, the guy ends up surprisingly collecting six, seven hundred thousand dollars, and the Bush Anheuser Bush Company in St. Louis decides, "Oh, this is great! The guy is going to donate all this money to a cancer research for kids." I mean, how wonderful is that? I mean, it's just the greatest feel-good story of the last month. But no, eight years ago when he was 16, he tweeted something in high school. Crucify him! Crucify him! <laughs> and Hauser Bush is like, oh, we have to separate ourselves from Carson King or whatever his name is. We must, we must distance ourselves from this racist person who's tweeting such awful things. Oh, wait, uh, dude, uh, did anyone tell you that it was like when he was like 16 and um, he was in high school and, uh, I don't know, something provoked him. He had a bad bologna sandwich. His cheese was old and he uh, was a little bit, uh, it was 93-day aged Swiss cheese on his bologna sandwich. So, you know, he kind of, you know, out of the 30,000 thoughts he had when he was 16, he tweeted that one. And so now we're going to crucify him because he tweeted that. 
And uh, at the time, like five people saw the tweet and nobody said anything. But, oh, eight years later, he's, he's arranging for a children's hospital to get millions of dollars. I think they might be up to two. And so we're going to crucify the dude right now. Let's crucify him. Tweet, tweeter. I don't know. Why, how did I get on this? How did I get on it? Because it's just twit. So that the Twitter has been elevated to an amazing level. And uh, I probably dreamed about it or thought about it. And I, 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 probably, I probably said controversial. Well, I think I just did. I just tweeted some dude on a religious level. So like most people don't care if I'm taking shots at organized religion. So like that's not usually shouldn't get me in trouble with the public, right? So I probably should have no fear of my tweets because my contrarian and uh, conflicting view is uh, about that subject. Morning. Good morning. So uh, yeah, so that's my contrarian. What's it? What's it? What's I can't think of the other word right now. <laughs> Starts with a C too. Um, it's sort of like controversial, but it's, it's not even that nice. It's worse than that. But yeah, so I tweet about organized religion. So the people that would be upset with me would be organized religious people, which fortunately there's very few of them. And it would be ironic for them to go after me and skewer me with some tweet about making fun of the Great Commission, for example. That was my tweet this morning. You know, so all the, you know, it's back to the, basically the guy tweeted like how great, how important the Great Commission is, which I bet every, like 99% of the Roman Catholics have no idea what that is. But it's a huge Protestant mantra, the Great Commission. You know, like even Billy Graham type Protestant stuff. It's the Great Commission, Great Commission, Great Commission, Great Commission. Don't you want to support the Great Commission? Jesus gave the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission, Great Commission, Great Commission, Great Commission, Great Commission, Great Commission, Great Commission. It's GC, baby. GC, Great Commission. That's what I'm all about. I'm a virtue signaler, man. So, so that's what I tweeted about. So am I going to, you know, someone digs up a tweet and said, oh, look what you said about the Great Commission. You're saying that Paul, the Apostle Paul, the Great One, oh, I get it. You're saying that he actually was doing the Great Commission, but he didn't make a big deal out of it, did he? He just did it. And the reason he did it is because he was following the Holy Spirit, was guiding him, and he felt called to preach the gospel to new lands. So Paul just did it. And in fact, he wrote all these great letters that are part of the Bible now. And it's part of the Holy Scripture that Paul wrote. But it turns out the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, which many pastors say are the last words of Jesus. The last words of Jesus were, Go therefore and Mike disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, so that was Matthew. But it was written, Matthew is documented to have been written in about 65 AD, I think it is, 65. And so the Bible thumpers, which is a common terminology, 
the way they approach the Bible and the way they read the Bible as if it's like, this is the Word of God, eternal Word of God. And it doesn't matter whether it was written in 65 A.D. or 45 A.D., you know, 20 years earlier. It just doesn't matter because it's the inspired Word of God. And Are you doubting that Jesus made this proclamation to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Are you doubting those words? Um, no, I'm not, but I'm putting it in historical context. Is that okay? Can we do that? We, are we allowed to do that? And if you notice, when Jesus made the proclamation, they more than likely didn't really understand what he meant by baptizing them in the, in the Holy Spirit. But if you waited till 65 AD, then it all makes sense because Paul was out preaching the gospel for 20-some years without the Great Commission, the wonderful Great Commission. He did it without that. And um, he, he talked about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was a big issue. In fact, it was such a big issue. If you go look at Acts 18 and 19, the book of Acts, the Holy Scriptures, and you will not hear very many preachers discuss the text, which is about Apollos. And my contention is that we still have Apollos today, which is he teaches accurately about Jesus. Good old Apollos, a Jew. He taught accurately about Jesus. But then when Paul, or Priscilla and Aquila heard Apollos speaking accurately about Jesus, they pulled him aside afterwards and they taught him the Word of God more completely, which included the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has always been very confusing. It's right there in Acts 18. Apollos didn't get it, although he was very eloquent and could argue with the Jewish people. And I'm using a different voice, like an official, official preacher voice or something, with a little Irish brogue maybe, or Scottish, who knows what it is. But it's um, very accurately about Jesus. And that was it. That wasn't good enough because he had to be explained that there's a Holy Spirit. So my view is there's just not a good understanding of the Holy Spirit. And then my favorite is Acts 19, right? Following Apollos, following the story. Paul asked some of Apollos' disciples, Hey man, did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And Apollos' disciples are like, no, man, we didn't even know there was a, like a Holy Spirit. Oh, we were, we were baptized into the uh, um, John. We were baptized by John in the water. And Paul says, well, wait, whoa, you know, there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit, my friends. And they're like, oh, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. So... What we see in Acts 18, 19 is that even though Jesus said to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, that makes a lot more sense in Matthew's head and his writing because it happened in 65 AD where all this stuff had been 
worked out over 20 years. And uh, my thought is whether Jesus said those exact words because it's the inerrant Word of God, folks. I'm all on board with that. So if you're getting a little squirmish because I'm asking challenging questions, yeah, I believe the Bible is inerrant. I believe it's the inspired Word of God. But that doesn't mean you don't use your head. You don't think about it. And I'm saying Jesus may have said that. I don't think they got it because I know Peter didn't get it. Peter didn't get it. So, um, point being is the Holy Spirit's very important. Look at read Acts 18, 19, which most, many, I should say not most, many preachers of the Baptist persuasion, you know, they believe that the gifts and the Spirit is ceased and like all magically. We're supposed to believe that, no, no, it's all knowledge-based now. It's intellectual. We can reason and explain things, you know. And then really the message of the Bible is that the Holy Spirit contains the power to make anything happen. It's through God's Holy Spirit that anything happens. So, um, we're, <laughs> oh yeah, get back to Great Commission. So, instead, it's the intellectual people love the Great Commission. They love that, and they love missions, and they love... To me, it comes across as virtue signaling, like, you know, oh, we gotta, we got to reach the rest of the world. I'm like, well, what does the Bible say? It's like, the Bible says the Holy Spirit draws men to him, and, and that uh, Paul went out and did it, and he didn't virtue signal. Paul wasn't, like, telling everybody else, like, hey, Corinthians, you got to go to Rome, and you got to do that. He's like, no, I'm going to Rome. I'll go to Rome. I'll go to Spain. I got it. I'm on it. And he just did it, you know? So... I'm all for missions. Go, go do it. In fact, if that makes you feel great, you know, read that passage in Matthew and line up with the Holy Spirit and go for it. Do it. But just do it in the Holy Spirit. Don't do it in the power. Do it in the power that God gives you, not some preacher that manipulates you and guilt trips you into reasoning and going, it's the Great Commission. It's the last words of Jesus. He said to go make disciples, man. We got to do it. It's all on us. I'm like, well, look at the book of Acts. Acts. I mean, it's not that the book of Acts was the fact that it was written before Matthew. So Matthew is describing what happened before the book of Acts. Even though it was written after the book of Acts, after all the events, after Paul took the gospel everywhere, Matthew is just a recording of what what Jesus was doing before all that stuff happened. So, uh, it, it's it, in, in these. It's probably a. I've been around Southern Baptists probably too much. They uh, and and those those type of preachers that that elevate the Scripture to this magical level of. It's uh, you can pull any verse out of anywhere, and just ignore the history around it and just mean what it wants to mean. And so that's where the preachers get up there and and uh, get all excited about the Great Commission, which is the word's not even used, right? It's just Jesus said, uh, hey, go make go make disciples of all the nations, peep. And it depends on how you read into that, right? It's just words, right? So do you want to read emotion into it? Like, Like Jesus was like, 
This is the great commandment, the great commission. He commanded. Notice the word, the verb go. It's go. It's an imperative. It's the verb uh, tense of imperative. It's, it's go make disciples. It's not like, hey, man, if you want to go, you should do this. You know, it's no, it's Jesus with an imperative command that says, go make disciples. And it's to the 12 or like 11 disciples at the time, right? Oh. And it's also on a mountain in Galilee, if you look at the context. It's a mountain in Galilee. So um, that's not the last words of Jesus, by the way, because the last words of Jesus are around Jerusalem, about 80 miles away, when he ascends to heaven. So he ascends to heaven. Those are the last words of Jesus in Acts 1.8. And he says, and there, it's not so much an imperative, is it? It says, you will be my disciple or my witnesses. So it's more of a, um, not an imperative command as it is in Matthew, which is in the mountains around Galilee, which again is 80 miles away from Jerusalem. And they didn't have like helicopters. So it's just not reasonable to elevate Matthew 28, 19, and 20 to some kind of last words. It's the last words of Matthew. But again, Matthew is just a gospel account. And uh, it's been, those two verses are so plucked and made so much a big deal out of that they've given it a term, Great Commission. So for you Roman Catholics who may not have heard of the Great Commission or appreciate how much it's drummed into the evangelical Protestant um, religious, organized religious um, language, that's what it is. Great Commission. Oh, yeah. The Great Commission. <laughs> and where well, there's a chapter in, of, I think it's 1 Corinthians. I don't know if it's like 9 or something. And so, so they elevate these two verses in Matthew to like this incredible level of importance. And yet there's like 20 verses, 10 times as much verbiage is spent on Paul talking about whether women should have their head covered in church and men should have their heads uncovered. So Paul, you know, it's scripture, man. It's all, all scripture is inspired for God and profitable for teaching. So what I'm saying is there it is, 20 verses on whether women should have their head covered in church and men should have their head uncovered and whether they should have their hair long, short, Many, many more verses spent on that, but you never hear about it. And they don't want to talk about it because it's not a big deal. But it is 20 verses about whether you should have your head covered or not. So who decides what's important? You know, who, who gets to decide that, oh no, these two verses in Matthew, which were written in 65 AD, like 20 five years after Paul was already like moved by the Holy Spirit to actually preach the gospel to the Gentiles, by the way. Um, and uh, so, so that's that. So uh, I'm back home now. I walked the bud. And my surprise, uh, it's 25 minutes in, my uh, surprise impromptu 
He goes, I'm down in the backwoods of Georgia with no Wi-Fi access and spotty cell coverage. Be back on the grid next week. So we're not going to have the general on a podcast. So he's uh, in backwoods of Georgia with no Wi-Fi access. There you go. So I am back home. And uh, uh, I guess I'll probably call this podcast the great commission just because i can i can and uh the what what can i what's the value here so the value is just you can listen to preachers just use your head god's calling you to your thing and there's unfortunately there's people with lots of emotion that want to stir others up to do their mission so maybe, maybe I should change this from, is it the Great Commission or your commission? So there's a difference between, between that. And it was highly, I'm going to be highly unpopular with those that just kind of accept like, oh, yeah, that guy over there, oh, he's working so hard for the Great Commission. Oh, look, at he's going to Indonesia on a, on a two-week mission trip. Oh, my gosh. So holy, you know. And it's like, no, that's not the message of why Jesus came to die on the cross is so that we would transform ourselves, that he would be allowed with his Holy Spirit to transform us into um, his mission for us. So I guess I'm stumbling on something here. It's not a great commission. What's your commission? So let me toy around with that. That's a great idea. All right, bye-bye. Grace and peace.